today we want to offer a few more resolutions or at least some categories of resolutions that are really sort of unique to the times that we're living in, where things are pretty much volatile across the board. These are the times where you can never really know much of anything. And if we could, then we wouldn't hear the words unprecedented or record levels so much. And so because we're so used to setting and have been encouraged to set measurable and specific goals for accountability purposes, I think that knowing the pieces where you have some level of control is a really critical insight before you do all that. Like you don't want to set a goal that you really don't control, you know, 75% of it. And then you're beating yourself up before 2024 because you didn't accomplish it. Welcome to the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success, where we explore life at the intersection of money. I'm Julian. And I'm Kirsten. And it's a new year. So you know we're talking about resolutions. 2023, doesn't that sound crazy, like, to say? It feels like it's so futuristic. Like, when we get to the 2030s, I'm going to be like, look, I don't even know. Like, (laughs) this just feels wrong. It does feel like a like a movie subtitle or something like that, like Space Odyssey. <laughs> yeah, 2023. Yeah. Yeah. I I love this time of year because I just love the spirit of personal development that's in the air. Like it's coming off of Christmas and all of the family time and joy and cheer and everybody's on this new year, new you vibe. And I just, I don't know, the energy is very like me year round. <laughs> so I like when other people match my energy Because it's the new year. Now, every year I start my own New Year's resolution process by kind of reflecting on the previous year. And as I reflect on 2022, like I can't tell if the year went by really fast or if it was really slow. (laughs) Like there were some months that seemed to drag on and then others were only here for a split second. Like September, I don't know her. Like her and her weather (laughs) flew by because it was a beautiful month, but it was like, you know, a blink. And I won't bore y'all. I'm going to get to the topic in just a minute. I won't bore y'all with like the dozens of articles that I've read about why time feels so weird lately. But I will open up this episode with a random fact about what I learned because, one, I just feel like that's what people expect of me. They expect my internet rabbit holes. Random Random rabbit holes. (laughs) Tell us. Tell us. I'm curious. So did you know... That there is not a single system or organ in the body that is responsible for timekeeping? No, I did not. (laughs) Yeah. I did not know. There are lots of theories of time and they have changed over time. But psychologists have actually identified many factors that affect our sense of time, like our emotions. You know, hence the phrase time flies when you're having fun. And so like. That may, there's other things beyond your emotions. There's also your attention level, which is why people are so heightened about like what they're going to do this year on January 1st. So anyway, I say all that to (laughs) to explain why I can't quite make sense of 2022. It's because time is an illusion. You think you lack a system? Yeah, I don't know that that's (laughs) That's true. true. I mean, I think you have a This is not internet misinformation. You have a sleep system that very- Circadian rhythms are different. I'm talking about timekeeping. You also have like 
regular bowel movements, hopefully. Like, <laughs> not there are tons of things that happen regularly that you can argue are connected to time. Look, I don't really care. Um, I want to get into talking about New Year's resolutions. I have technically never been a resolutions guy. You were uh, a goals guy. You didn't call them New Year's resolutions, but you definitely had an annual process, I think. For sure. Well, I, I think it was more than annual. It was like whenever I felt compelled to accomplish something, I, I've, I've always been pretty goal-driven. And in some cases, you use the... Uh, the illusion of time to uh, determine where and when you want to sort of start addressing these things and how and when you're going to measure success. Yeah. Every now and then I might say, no, I told myself I want to do it before the end of the year. Mm -hmm. Um, So in cases like that, I guess you could say they're resolution like, but I've never been like a big, like, all right, it's a new year and I'm going to wait until the new year to start something unless there was like an actual reason for me to do it. Yeah. So we, you know, as content creators, always tend to veer towards New Year's resolutions and goal setting content during this time of year, because that's what a lot of people have on their minds, even if it's not necessarily what we have top of mind. According to a survey from Fidelity, nearly two thirds of Americans make New Year's resolutions. And of those, almost 40 percent include financial goals such as saving money, paying down debt and sticking to a budget. Yeah. So there's not many things that two-thirds of Americans collectively do, <laughs> like voting, paying taxes. None of those things we, at the 60-something at, at percent, all collectively do. So this is obviously, like, culturally significant. Yeah. And so today we want to offer a few more resolutions or at least some categories of resolutions that are really sort of unique to the times that we're living in, where things are pretty much volatile across the board. These are the times where you can never really know much of anything. And if we could, then we wouldn't hear the words unprecedented or record levels so much. And so because we're so used to setting and have been encouraged to set measurable and specific goals for accountability purposes, I think that knowing the pieces where you have some level of control is a really critical insight before you do all that. Yeah. Like you don't want to set a goal that you really don't control, you know, 75% of it. And then you're beating yourself up before 2024 because you didn't accomplish it. Yeah. So again, today we're going to give you three categories, I guess, of financial activities and suggest some goals to put under them to add to your list, assuming that you have one. That's it. All right. So let's jump right in. The first category is organization. You've heard us talk about this over and over again about the administrative work that is personal finance. Um, You know, even when I think about just paying attention to like prices and and the way that they've changed over time or revisiting sort of outdated uh, beliefs. But but even just the idea that like that in and of itself is a form of adulting and like that requires time and focus that I think so many people lose track of. I mean, just like last week from following up with prescriptions being filled, mm-hmm. HOA meetings, uh, PTA meetings, like all, you know, fundraisers for our kids, Healthcare fundraisers for other expiring. kids, open enrollment season, like all of the little things, administrative tasks, the reminders to go into the system to update that stuff. Like all of those things are really, really important and have an impact on your financial life. And so you really want to make sure that you have some type of system or that you're creating or uh, carving out the time required to make sure that things don't fall off the rails. Yeah. 
I think getting financially organized has a lot of components. This actually reminds me of like two years ago, right around this time, the home edit came out on Netflix. Oh, yeah. And it was this organizing show where like it was crazy, like compelling to watch, but they would buy these bins and people would put the things in the bins. And there was, it created this new genre of like organization content. I wish there was a version of this for finances because it's very similar where it's like, it's equally as cathartic and it provides just as much of a system and a relief when you get it done. But the first time it's a lot, like it's a lot. So you want to make sure that you're doing this, you know, on the regular basis And I think, like I said, getting financially organized has a lot of components, but some suggested activities, many of these can be knocked out in a few hours or over a day. So feel free to stack them. If you are an overachieving Virgo like myself, feel free to add all of these to your resolutions list. But first, if you're a calendar person, it's just writing key dates and reminders to check your budget, review your finances, renew your insurance, all that stuff, add it to your calendar in advance so that you know that it's coming up and you can block the appropriate time. Not in advance of, not the due date. Yeah. (laughs) Right? So mark the date before. And if you're like me, like, go ahead and build in the buffer. Yes. It's like the snooze button. Like, you know, you got (laughs) to be Taxes are due on April 15th. Don't set it April 10th. Because you know you're going to snooze it at least two, three times. So go ahead and carve out some time in mid-March yes, so that you can go through your snooze process, yeah. feel the pain, and then hopefully get it done earlier. And break it up into steps. Don't just, like, write tax day, right? This is the day I pull all of the stuff out of envelopes. Here's the day that I do <laughs> this, that, real. or the other, right? Another thing you can do to get financially organized, automate your savings to ensure that you are paid first. Mm -hmm. Set up whatever can come straight off the top of your paycheck or income source. Set that up right now. You'll at least have a little something sitting aside for those days where you need a little cushion, a little cash cushion. Uh, Going back to the tax example, another way is to throw away or scan any irrelevant paperwork. This is old bills, old statements. Anything like that, just purge it. If you want them people that still has a shoebox full of receipts or a document box that you just kind of throw everything in and it becomes a pile of procrastination, then I encourage you to go through it and then find a better system that allows you to organize along the way. It can be as simple as adding in dividers or folders into whatever it is, but you know, move. This is the year. 2023 is the year we move past the shoebox of receipts. Yeah. Amen? Scannable. Scannable is a fantastic yes. app. You can use it on your phone that can basically take a picture of the old bill and easily convert it to a PDF. So yes. if you've got a 10-page double-sided medical bill or something like that and it's all piling up, you can quick take those quick snaps, send it to yourself via email, save it in a cloud, wham, bam, and you're done. Yes. Now, if you use a budgeting app, another way to get financially organized is to go in and make sure that it's updated with your current financial information. So if you use, for example, tagging to identify budget categories, make sure all that stuff is up to date. Make sure that there are not one-time expenses that you happen to have at a store that sells food being lumped into your grocery budget. Like just kind of go through and prune, pull the report from this year, check to see where your top spending categories are. And while again, there may not be a surprise at the macro level, at the high level that your top three categories are 
food, housing, and transportation. If you click down into the transactions, you may find something interesting. You may find that a regular household expense, like paper towels or toilet paper, is being lumped into your food expense or some other category that isn't helpful. And so you're not budgeting correctly. So just doing that, like, again, maintenance work in your apps and your tools that you use to help you will be very helpful. Yep. So a couple of popular tips or popular apps. We talked a lot about personal capital. That's less so for budgeting, but you can use it for that. Mint mm-hmm. is a very popular one. YNAB, which is an acronym for You Need a Budget, hugely popular one, I think requires a bit of a learning curve. So find you $15 a month. Yeah, there is a cost to that. But I also want to give a shout out to our friend Carmen, who's been doing some amazing things and literally built her own app, which is really, really growing quickly. It's called Much, Mm M-U-C-H. So if you're looking for a break from the standard apps and something that might be a little better, a little different, a little more efficient, check out Much and give it a try. Yes. Okay. So it's also worth doing an exercise to look at your current interest rate. So we talk a lot about organizing and reorganizing, but there's been a lot of fluctuation this year as the Fed has tried to control inflation. And so they've raised interest rates six times this year in 2022. And the last four were almost a point. So like 0.75 percentage changes, uh, which are percentage point changes, each of which have been like unprecedented. And all of this is like they're real big efforts to try to calm down the rate of inflation. You've probably seen the horror stories out there in other countries like Argentina or Zimbabwe when Inflation is like something like 70% or 90%. So relative to other parts of the world, like ours hasn't been as bad, but it's enough to throw you off, especially if money is tight. When the Fed raises the rate, it becomes more expensive to borrow money. So while some of your loans may be fixed, primarily if you think about things like a mortgage or your car note, other people have variable interest rates, most specifically like with credit cards. So if you're someone who isn't able to pay off your balances in full, or maybe you're using like the snowball or the avalanche method to pay off your debt, you really want to make sure this shit going back, you're using this time or carving out some time to recalibrate your approach to paying down that debt. So if you're using the snowball method, you're starting with paying off the smallest loans first while paying the minimum balance on the rest. That minimum balance likely increased due to these rate hikes by the uh, Fed. So you want to make sure that your budgeting accounts for that. Conversely, in the avalanche method, you're paying the highest interest card debt first because the interest rate is now higher. You need to go back and recalculate your timeline. So this is a great opportunity to do that. You don't want to get caught in a bit of a set it and forget it world because of all the different changes there. It might actually lead you to reprioritizing the order in which you're paying down debt or even the method that you choose uh, to pay it down uh, as a whole. And especially the timelines. You know, we talked last week about setting financial resolutions with higher interest rates, unless you are also increasing your payments, it's going to take you longer to become debt free. And so you want to account for that in any sort of goals or reallocation of the money, whatever plans you had, go back and look at that again as a part of getting organized for the new year. All right. So the next category for your financial resolutions is protection. So we talked a little bit about 
getting organized organization. Now we're going to talk about protection. We could do a whole episode on insurance products because this is their jam. You can buy insurance to protect just about any asset and or the loss of that asset, but we're not doing that. We're not spending and buying insurance all willy nilly in 2023. We are talking about the things that you can control for the purposes of your financial resolutions. So in this case, our advice would be to make a goal to add at least one month to your emergency fund. Mm -hmm. In other words, if you have three months of living expenses already saved, your goal would be to get to four. And depending on what your monthly expenses are, this may take a while. So going back to that first, you know, category of topics getting organized, you got to find a system that either automates this for you on the back end or at least breaks the goal down into tangible steps. Now, if you Google or you look on Pinterest, you can find all kinds of savings challenges that break down how much you have to deposit every week or every month to get to an ultimate goal. Some of them even come with cute worksheets or coloring books to help you track it. Find whatever works, but prioritize it. You want to extend the amount of time that you have for an emergency fund. According to a report from the J.P. Morgan Chase Institute, nearly half of Americans experience a 25% or greater drop in income at some point during the year. And this can be from a variety of reasons. It could be job loss, reduction in hours, unexpected expenses, whatever it is, but they also found that the average duration of a drop in income was about five months. And that has significant impacts on a person's financial stability and well-being. On top of all of that, another study found that there is a close link between monthly income volatility and health outcomes. So as we're still experiencing quite a bit of a wave of sickness across the United States, Just know that more income volatility leads to worse health outcomes. It's like the financial version of, you know, when it rains, it pours. So protecting yourself against income volatility by having a really healthy emergency fund should be a priority in your financial resolutions. And and not to be funny or punny, but like when it rains, it pours, that leads to a slippery slope, right? So the stress that's associated with income volatility and health outcomes can then trigger addiction. It can trigger, Mm -hmm. you know, medical bills, uh, medical bills, which then puts you in an even worse or uncomfortable financial situation. So hopefully that's not the case out there. This is part of the reason why we want to make sure that we're using this time of reflection to put ourselves in a stronger situation going forward. I also want to add to this. This is a part of protection. Listen, we are living in the golden era of cyber fraud. It is on the rise at any point in time. You can argue that it is on the rise and continuing to rise. And so we want to make sure that we are doing everything possible uh, to protect ourselves and to make sure that, you know, we're not disregarding or pushing aside things that we know we should be doing that we know we could have done for silly reasons. So a couple of things I want to make sure that we're doing. One is using a password manager. I get it. They're difficult to remember. That's the point. You don't need to have uh, the same password. Like if you're still using the password that you have from your college account, (laughs) you are the type of person that is prone to have not one, not two, but every single one of your accounts hacked. Because once they have the key to open one door, they can open the other door and so on and so on. So please make 2023 be the year that you let a password manager do all of that for you. Take an hour, load them all up into the platform, change them if you need to, generate new custom, funky, long, weird, awkward looking passwords. That is the point. Because when people who 
hackers or scammers find it difficult to access one, they just leave it. Mm-hmm. They leave it to go find someone who is far more prone to have something simple. All right. Number two is enable a minimum, I would say minimum of two-factor authorization, or I should say enable multi-factor authorization. I think two-factor authorization kind of became the standard, but now we're at a point where in some cases you might even need three. So what is multi-factor authorization? You're trying to log into your account. They're going to ask you for a password. That's one. The second layer may be a few of those cases. If you have it authorized, you'll then receive a request uh, to check your email or to check your text messages because you were just given a unique code that then needs to be added into whatever platform it is that you're trying to access that will then allow you to actually access that particular account. But now we live in a world where that's not even enough because someone may have your phone. And so a three-factor authorization may be, all right, now I need you to you know, it's one of those capture ones where it's like click the one with the bus in mm-hmm. the picture. The They're actually getting lights. a little more They're tricky because I'm looking yeah. at them now. I'm like, oh, wait, there's a what? corner of a light in this because you have to ha- right. It's like, <laughs> is that a light? Is that a foot? I don't know what that is, but you got to click the right button in order to get access to your stuff. I was logging into my IRS account the other day, and they actually asked me to take a selfie. I had to take a selfie to validate. Wow who I was and submit that. And that was the thing that actually allowed me to get in, which kind of makes sense because you think about the importance of facial recognition these days. And so it was really, really interesting, all the different things. Because again, someone may have your phone and granted, they would literally have to kidnap you to get your phone and get your pictures. But all that to say, like, it's getting really, really complicated. And it wasn't just like a selfie. It was more like, Hold your face and scan from left to right. It felt very like clear, <laughs> yeah. you know, when they're going through TSA. So all of that to well, say. Well, that's true. At, at Hartsville Airport, you do take a picture. Correct. Instead of like you slide your ID, correct. you take a picture. So they've been. I Listen, I actually appreciated it. I was like, you know what? If anyone has sensitive information about me, it's the IRS. So I appreciate you taking it a step further and adding in this additional layer of protection. So that's. My tax dollars at work. I appreciate that, IRS. <laughs> I don't know that I will ever say that ever again. Yeah, nobody thinks the IRS. Yeah, I just did. Third thing you can do is, and this is actually pretty easy, but for all you people out there, <clears throat> my wife, who are not using mobile pay. I'm getting better. Let this be First the year. First of all, year. I do use mobile pay. You just started using I don't use pay. it as often or as seamlessly as Julian. Julian be buying gas with his watch like he just you know everything he's he's in 2035 like i'm still in 2022 if it ain't encrypted i don't want it (laughs) all right listen use mobile pay it is the most difficult way for anyone to try to crack the code right instead of walking around with a literal car that has your credit card information on it (laughs) i mean this is the world that we live in it's like it's the equivalent credit cards of the new checks. Yeah. You're walking around with your credentials and you're sticking whole it account in. account number. Yeah, this whole account <laughs> number. Your literal signature's on the back. And we're just walking around with this information. It's very easy for people to take it and to run it up real quick. And again, they're not trying to spend a lifetime with your credit card info. They buy that one thing and they move on to mm-hmm. the next person who just as easily made their information available. They can't do that with mobile pay. It's all encrypted. If they can do it, then they deserve it because they worked really, really hard <laughs> to figure out a way to crack this new cutting edge code. So use mobile pay. Let that be a part of your do year resolution to ensure that you don't become one of those people who end up getting scammed or hacked. Uh, according to recent surveys, 
only 43% of Americans with smartphones are using it. And that's actually up uh, this time versus last year. Um, They're not expecting us to reach that 50% mark until 2025. So don't be a straggler, be early, be an early adopter or a not so late adopter in this case, and make sure that you're doing your part to protect yourself. All right. The last category to make your 2023 financial resolutions around is conversations. Conversations. Not only is it time to stop avoiding awkward conversations, but it's also time to revisit them. Walk right back into the cringe. If it was bad the first time, it's going to be a little less bad, hopefully, this time. But you got to revisit. See what's changed since the last time you talked. See if the assumptions that you're operating with are still valid. Run through those worst case scenarios, whether it is a long-term loss of income or bankruptcy. Like you got to revisit this stuff to make sure that you are still operating with the same information that you were before. If you are in a relationship where there is a significant disparity in income, this would be a good time to maybe check in with your spouse. You may have agreed on one way of doing things, but so much has changed that it may no longer make sense. And y'all need to agree on a different way of doing things, whether it's splitting bills or creating separate accounts or whatever it is. Right. And then don't forget the children. Talk to your kids about age appropriate stuff. Like we frequently have conversations with Bo about what we're saving our money for Mm -hmm. and why, how much things cost as a percentage of the money that he has. Like, again, these aren't like super advanced conversations because he's only five, but we do make it a point to revisit where it's like, okay, he learned what money was. He learned that money can buy things, but now it's time to say, okay, if you buy this thing, you're not going to have any money to buy anything else. So just edging up the conversation with with children and revisiting the conversations that you've already had with your loved ones. Yeah. Now, on the flip side of that, there are some conversations that need to go beyond just talking and they then become or graduate, unfortunately, into financial interventions. And in most cases, these are uncomfortable conversations that you need to have with loved ones who already are or will be dependent on you for financial assistance. So you want to go ahead and start asking for access to joint accounts or credit cards, checking accounts, saving accounts, the credit union, you name it, like take the time. If we're talking about like a bank or something and they'll tell you like, Oh, well you can get added, but it's going to require you to walk into the branch, meet with the person, sign the documentation so that you then have access to that person's account. In some cases we may need to go ahead and start adjusting beneficiaries to make sure that you have further access or can easily access the account without that person being there. You want to make sure that you're doing things like putting safeguards out there in terms of ensuring that you have power of attorney. Uh, if you are in a position where you need to prevent like financial exploitation, where now you're, you'll be in a position to make sure that you can make the decisions on behalf of that person um, in the event that they can't do it themselves. Some of these conversations may actually just need to be a little simpler, where it's really around creating budgets and having, you know, conversations about overspending or irresponsible financial decisions. Again, our parents, in a lot of cases, are older. They're not hip to all the new stuff. So you may have to tell them, like, you know, you really don't like that's not the only way to do it anymore. There's a cheaper. I can't believe you still have a landline or I can't believe you're still you still have the super mega cable package. There are significantly cheaper ways to do this. So this is an opportunity for you to shine, maybe throw them a bone and put them in a situation where they can save some money and then use that as a springboard into broader kind of 
about budgetary conversations. And the last one, which I would say is very common for a lot of folks who just avoid is really around estate planning. We've had conversations about this in the past. We've done video content about this in the past, but let this be the year that you go from being someone who does not have a will to having a will or ensuring or asking that question like, hey, mom, hey, dad, do you have a will? I don't need to know all the details. I just kind of need to know that you have one because I want to make sure that we're doing everything that we can to insert reason here. Build generational wealth, honoring your wishes when you do pass because it is inevitable. Or, you know, if you have kids, kind of use them as the, 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 the common shared bond here to say, hey, I want to make sure that we're not doing anything to set him or her back or them back, right? This is why we're doing it. It's not about me wanting to get all into your business. All of these Interventions require open, uh, honest conversation and a willingness to listen and possibly compromise. So if you're not equipped to do that, there's no shame in seeking outside support from someone like a therapist or a financial or credit counselor. It could be a member of your church family. It could be a church leader. Depending on your income, several states also offer free resources online or through different programs. But I can't stress how emotional this topic can get. So make sure you're approaching it with empathy and a willingness to work with that family member. You don't want to be the person that charges in and assumes that you understand everything or is forcing your own values onto them. Lead with empathy. Make sure that you are giving them a voice to express what's important to them and why, but then also making sure that we're on the same page and doing everything that we can to make sure that we're protecting our financial security. Yes. So there you have it. Three categories that you can use as a starting point to create your financial resolutions. We've got organization, we've got protection, and we've got conversations. There it is. Go with God. (laughs) I think we gave you a couple dozen different examples, but again, pull from your own, pull from your own experience. All right. So final thoughts. My final thought is always going to be the introspective ones. And so I'll add that there's also an inner conversation that you need to have with yourself about your financial priorities and values. Really think about what's important to you and your family and how your financial decisions align with those priorities and values. And the easiest way to do that is to take audit and stock of 2022. Look at the results that you got and you didn't get in 2022. And again, focus on the things that you control. There was a whole lot of stuff we did not or could not control or predict that happened in 2022. So for 2023, revisit all that stuff, give yourself grace, and then focus on the parts that you can control as you construct your new resolutions. Love it. My final thoughts are, uh, I'm going to quote you here and say I'm in my big age because I really am in my big age. But, you know, I I feel like I've come full circle on resolutions. I, I still don't really use the term New Year's resolutions, but I think of this as uh, an opportunity or a matter of reprioritization. Um, it, it's about reviewing the ever-growing and ever-changing to-do list and saying, all right, I think we actually need to move this thing from item number five, move it from the wish list to the must-do list. Um, again, I'm in my 40s and, you know, I'm not quite in my mid-40s yet, but I'm like getting close. And, you know, little things like a health scare or, you know, friends and, and elders passing away. I think we want to sort of 
look at the silver lining here. And I think, you know, more often than not, people say, wow, it really helps you to put things in perspective. What we're asking you guys to do is to kind of turn that into action. I think for a lot of adults, resolutions can be a good thing, but only if they work. So mm-hmm. like whatever the system is for you, do that. If the system you have been doing in the past has not worked, then hopefully that we've, this has been a bit of an opportunity to reevaluate or like I said, reprioritize uh, that to-do list and get some things done. All right. Well, thank you for listening to another episode of the Rich and Regular Podcast presented by Success. It's only January 2nd, but if you want to cross off a big resolution right now, you know what you can do. Tell them, Julian. Merry New Year. <laughs> what? Trading places. Oh. <laughs> You're too young. For that. Yeah, I am. <laughs> what I shame. meant was to head on over <laughs> to the ratings and review page and leave us a five-star review to kick off the new year. We are so excited to be I was going to say filming this podcast, recording this podcast for another year. Again, we look forward to your feedback and your support. Happy New Year. And thank you in advance for our first 2023 rating and review. There should be a prize for that, like the babies at the hospital. That's what we should have done. First person to leave us a review at midnight two days ago would have got something. It's going to be a drunken review. (laughs) Where my prize at? Awesome podcast. (laughs) We'll see y'all next week.